The South Carolina Gamecocks gave their fans a glimmer of hope that maybe, just maybe, this past Saturday would have ended differently. And then the second quarter took place, and it really was all downhill from there for Shane Beamer and the Gamecocks. Let's talk about it on this reaction edition of Locked On Gamecocks. You are Locked On Gamecocks, your daily podcast on the South Carolina Gamecocks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Gamecock Nation, and welcome to this Sunday edition of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast, where we cover your team every single day. I'm Andrew Lyon, the host of this podcast, and I'm also a staff writer for Gamecocks Digest over on SI.com. Thank y'all so much for making the Lockdown Gamecocks podcast your first listen or watch here today. We are free and available both on YouTube and wherever you get your audio podcasts daily. Today's reaction show is brought to you by Prize Picks. Go to prizepickscom college and use code LockedOnCollege for a first deposit match up to $100. Daily Fantasy Sports made easy. It looked like for the first 15 minutes of this past Saturday's football game where South Carolina took on the Texas A&M Aggies that this could be a game where things ended differently for the Gamecocks despite all the adverse circumstances, a beaten and battered offensive line, traveling on the road for the second straight week in a hostile environment in College Station and facing an Aggies team that had a whole extra week to get ready for this game. It looked like for at least the first little bit that this game just might possibly go the opposite direction for once. And then all that hope was quickly wiped away in the second quarter against Texas A&M. And then the second half, we saw a lot of what we've seen already this season, especially on the road. So we're going to take today's show to dive into what all exactly took place in this football game. Let's start off with the beginning because... I was actually quite impressed with what South Carolina did in the first quarter. This was the best quarter that the Gamecocks have played on the road against any football team really since um, that first half, the whole first half against the Georgia Bulldogs back in week three. I know that South Carolina's played well in a couple of third quarters, but in terms of starting a football game away from Williams-Brice Stadium, this was the best start that Shimbiver's team had had possibly all season long with the Georgia game being the only game that you could possibly put on top of it. So watching the Gamecocks early, I was seeing a team that was doing some things differently on both sides of the ball. Offensively, you saw Dow Loggins clearly trying to help out Spencer Rattler as much as he could. Knew coming into this game that this was going to be a very difficult task already because of what Texas A&M possessed up front defensively, but also because of the fact that you had an offensive line that was quite frankly down to like eight or nine guys in terms of scholarship players. And should you have the worst case scenario play out, you might have to play some walk-ons in this game. And yet South Carolina, they found a way to throw the first punch. They ran the ball well enough with Mario Anderson Jr. out there on the football field. And they got the ball to the perimeter. They got the ball out to their wide receivers in quick fashion and made sure that this defensive front for the Aggies did not have much of a chance early to make a massive impact on this football game. It led to an impressive, methodical touchdown scoring drive for the Gamecocks in the first quarter, where, yes, they did have a fourth and goal that they had to go for at some point, but The point being is that South Carolina managed to capitalize on an opportunity that presented itself. 
And we haven't seen this team do that consistently enough on the road this year. And that did show up again later in the game. But at least early on, they showed signs of life. I know that there's a narrative out there, a very popular narrative that some people have attached to, which is that this football team has quit on Shane Beamer. You know, they basically thrown the towel. I'm just going to say right now, if you believe that, you're stupid. You, quite frankly, are just stupid. This team has not quit, okay? There is absolutely no doubt and should be no question after yesterday, this team has not quit. Now, you want to talk about individual players and some of their efforts at times? You know, I'm not going to dispute that. But as a collective unit, no. This team has not just decided that they're done with the 2023 season. So just want to get that out of the way first and foremost. Defensively, Clay White... If you're going to criticize him, you also have to give him credit when it's deserved. This defense had a good start to this football game yesterday, and I was impressed with what Clayton White was doing. They were running some different fronts defensively. They also were using Jerron Willis for the first time in I don't know how many weeks on third down obvious passing situations. Use your personnel to in a way that best utilizes their skill sets. Jerron Willis is sort of a hybrid linebacker slash edge rusher that is a lot better when he is able to just get after the quarterback. So when's the best time to use him? On obvious passing downs on third down. They were using him in those situations on Saturday, which tells me that at least to a certain extent, they went back and evaluated how they were utilizing their guys. They did not just go out there and decide to employ the same exact strategy that they have used pretty much all season and get walloped once again the first 30 minutes. They finally went back and actually did some adjusting and tweaking in certain aspects, so that was good to see. Also saw a corner blitz, a weak side corner blitz, I believe, from Marcel Style. On the first or second drive of the game, offensively for the Aggies and defensively for the Gamecocks. How many times have we seen that done this year? Not very many times. Most times that the Gamecocks have blitzed, they have gotten pretty much their linebackers involved in some cross-dog type of blitz package. And again, that's great to use every once in a while, but at some point, uh, opposing offenses know what you're doing. And it's not hard to game plan for. So, do a little bit more of that. And you'll actually make it a little bit more difficult for these offensive coordinators to know what exactly you're going to do in certain moments. So I liked what I saw from Clayton White early on in this football game against Texas A&M. They were getting after Max Johnson, getting some legit pressure, really laying some hits onto him. They were rattling him. The Aggies couldn't really get a whole lot going in the passing game. And so 15 minutes in, it looked like that, again, this could be a game where South Carolina, in spite of the expectations coming into it, they could give themselves a shot to win at the end. But then the second quarter took place, and everything just sort of fell apart from that point onward. Now, I'm going to dive into that second quarter a little bit more in just a couple moments right here on Locked on Gamecocks, but I think you all know what time it is. It is time for your Game Changer of the Week, brought to you by Athletic Brewing Company. Much like Nicholas Harbor, Athletic Brewing has been blowing past their non-alcoholic beer competitors thanks to their great-tasting non-alcoholic brews. Their brews are great-tasting and award-winning, and they beat out full-strength beers in global competitions. And most importantly, the best part is you never have any hangovers when you have their non-alcoholic brews. Nicholas Harbor 
He's really starting to find a groove in this offense for South Carolina. Over the last three games, Nicholas Harbour has recorded nine receptions for 154 receiving yards, including a career-high six catches for, I want to say, 56 or 59 receiving yards in this past contest. You can find Athletic Brewing Company's non-alcoholic brews at a store near you or buy online at athleticbrewing.com. First-time customers can use code LOCKEDON to get 15% off your first online order. That's code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N at checkout for 15% off at athleticbrewing.com. Near beer, exclusions, and conditions apply. Athletic Brewing Company, fit for all times. Today's show is also brought to you by eBay Motors. Passion, drive, and patience is what brings home the winning trophy and what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers to roof racks, exhaust kits, and LED headlights, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or you'll get your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that W. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Elgebottoms only, exclusions apply. eBay guaranteed fit is only available to U.S. customers. Welcome back to this reaction edition of the Lockdown Gamecocks podcast where we cover your team every single day. And as always, a big thank you to each and every one of you everydayers who make the Lockdown Gamecocks podcast your daily choice for South Carolina Gamecock sports coverage. Let's continue our conversation surrounding South Carolina's Week 9 matchup against the Texas A&M Aggies from yesterday afternoon. And let's talk about that second quarter, because that is honestly where the Gamecocks lost yesterday's football game, was that second quarter right before they got to halftime. After throwing the first punch in the first quarter, going up 7 to nothing, 15 minutes into this ball game, the Gamecocks, especially on the offensive side of the ball, they just had an absolute disastrous second 15-minute stretch in this contest. Let's start off with Spencer Rattler and the play of the offense. This offense, I believe, had three straight three and outs in the second quarter. And a big reason why that was the case was three intentional grounding penalties. I don't think I can ever recall a football game where I've seen one offense from a football team have three intentional groundings. I've seen a couple of times where a team had two intentional groundings. Never one where they had three, much less three in one quarter of play. But yet that happened on Saturday in College Station. Now, some people were saying that Spencer Rattler was the reason why these intentional groundings took place. I am more than willing to admit that that third one, especially was on him, felt like he held onto the ball a bit too long, should have made a quicker decision in that regard. The other two intentional groundings, unless he just messed something up pre-snap, and I have yet to go back and watch the game in full, so maybe I'll catch it the second time around, but from what I could tell... Quite frankly, the guys in front of him just did not do their job. One of them, there was a blitzer that split the two tight ends that South Carolina had on the football field at one time in a play-action, pass-protection stance, 
and he just went right between the both of them. That should never happen. That's not on the quarterback. That's on your guys in front of you. You have to do your job. And unfortunately for this offense, the reason why they have not been able to realize their full potential still in 2023 is because when one guy does their job, somebody else does it. If it's not one thing, it's something else. And that's just the way it's been for this offense all season long. Now, the reason why these intentional groundings were so backbreaking for this offense is because... An intentional grounding call, it's very unique. It's basically a sack because it's when the quarterback does not leave the tackle box and throw the ball in the vicinity of a receiving option. Or let's say maybe Rattler does stay in the tackle box. He throws it away, but the ball doesn't go beyond the last scrimmage. There's a couple different variations to this rule, a couple different stipulations. Point being, intentional grounding is basically like having a sack, but the sack does not actually take place. And so what happened was, South Carolina, I believe on two of these intentional groundings, it was first or second down. They lost like 10 to 14 yards on both of them, and it wound up being like third and 15, third and 18, 20 plus. And South Carolina, as we have seen, they are just not made for those kind of situations this season. They're not. They cannot convert a third and 15 plus very easily. Very few teams can't, but at least some If they do get caught in those situations, from time to time, they can find a way to get a first down. South Carolina is just not that kind of offense this year. They also are an offense that, you know, they they can't do very well. They don't do very well, I should say, when it's third and short. Maybe when it's inside the 10-yard line and they've got a goal-to-go situation. The point is, this is a team that has to rely heavily on explosive plays or Downs in situations where they've got plenty of space to work with. But if they have to gain a ton of ground on one particular play, or they don't have as much space to work with, but they still got to get three or four yards, depending on where they are on the football field, this offense is not going to convert in those situations. So, three intentional grounding penalties, that is one way to set an offense back that's already handicapped even more so. So, that led to three straight three and outs. And then you throw in the punting game, and it's time we start talking about it. Kai Kroger is not having a good season this year. He's not. I have strayed away from talking about it very much. First few weeks of the season, I kind of was thinking maybe he's just having a slow start. You know, he'll get things going once he gets about halfway through the year, maybe week seven or eight. That's out the window now. We're in week nine, now going into week 10. Kai Kroger is punting right now like he is true freshman Kai Kroger. Not the Kai Kroger we saw in 2022 that you could have made a great argument that he should have won the Ray Guy Award. Again, I talked about this, I believe, in an article before. Don't know what's going on with him. Don't know if maybe he's got an injury that is holding him back. Don't know if there's something going on off the field that we don't know about. We don't need to know about that information right now. But the point is that, you know, Punting is very much a mental game as much as it is a physical game. It's almost like golf. If there's one little thing that gets messed up in sort of your swing mechanics or just the way that you're surveying the field or, you know, the course if you're golfing, then it can just mess up your entire swing. It can mess up your entire end result. So I'm not sure what's going on with Kai Kroger. I'm not by any means a punting expert. I'm not going to try to act like one. I'm just saying that... You know, there could be something deeper going on that we don't know about. 
And, you know, we may or may not ever find out if that's the case. To get back to the football game, I bring up Kai Kroger because every time that this team had to punt the football after each of those three and outs, I don't think any of those punts went past the Aggies' 45-yard line. The Aggies had great field position every single time they started off their next offensive drive. The Gamecocks completely lost the field position battle in the second quarter. And you combine that with the offense sputtering, going nowhere, having all these intentional grounding penalties that they're getting, all of a sudden, you're forcing a unit that admittedly most of this season has struggled, especially on the road. You're now telling a defense to go out there and not let the opposing offense get even 25 or 30 yards or else they're in field goal range. Now, yes, the defense still give they still did give up three touchdowns, and sure, that is on them. At the same time, when your opponent is starting at around the 50-yard line three straight times, that's not the defense's fault. I tweeted something out during the football game saying the defense is doing their job, nobody else is, and some people actually took umbrage with that comment, which shocked me because anyone that watched the football game and paid attention to it could clearly tell that they were the only unit that actually gave themselves a chance to make plays happen in the second quarter. Special teams was failing them, and the offense was failing them. The defense was the only unit that did anything to speak of in that first half almost in its entirety if you take out the offense scoring a touchdown the first quarter. So yes, we're going to exit this game saying, well, defense gave up 30 points. I don't put all that on the defense. This is a collective failure in terms of the 30 points that the Aggies did score. Because here's what ended up happening. That second quarter takes place. South Carolina gives up three straight touchdowns unanswered. They're down 21-7 now going into the half. Second half takes place. And much like I mentioned earlier with this South Carolina offense, it's not an offense that's built to get a bunch of yards on one play when they need to or ground and pound for those yards, say, in the red zone or in a goal-to-go situation on third and short. That's the same deal when it comes to this team's ability to come back from deficits. When this team goes down by 14 points or more on the road, at that point, you might as well chalk it up. At least that's the way it's been this year. When this team goes down by 10 or 14 points at home, they still have a chance. But as we've seen all season long, this team, if it's not one thing, it is another. The offense plays well, the defense does it. The defense plays well, the offense doesn't help them out on the other end. They can't play a complete football game to save their life this year, especially on the road. They just can't. And the frustrating thing is, if this team plays a complete game, if just special teams or offense shows up in that second quarter, we might be having a different discussion today. At the very least, South Carolina, they are in this game all the way to the very last minute or two of the fourth quarter. Instead, we're once again talking about how one unit or two units play really bad for a 15-minute stretch, and all of a sudden, a game that you were leading just 15 minutes earlier in terms of game time, you're now down two touchdowns. And so you got to get immediate response in the second half. Offense kicks a field goal. Then the Aggies lean on that ground game. The defense just slowly wore down. And that 
basically made it easier for Max Johnson to stay back in the pocket because for whatever reason, South Carolina kind of stopped blitzing in the second half. They did not use any stunts or twists again. I'm not sure what it is with the lack of stunts and twists that are used in this defensive scheme, but that's just the way things are. And Max Johnson all of a sudden went from getting hit left and right in the first quarter to in the second half. He was sitting back there with all the time in the world just about. And unless one of South Carolina's edge rushers just dominate their one-on-one, Max Johnson was able to sit back there, read the newspaper, drink a soda before having to throw the football. And usually it was to a nice Smith who killed South Carolina as the game progressed. So we saw a lot of the season issues show up in the second half for the defense, but I don't think it's fair to put this game on the defense. Nobody should box score read this game and say South Carolina's defense just continues to have issues. Sure, they had some bad busts in this game. Not denying that. They're not the entire reason they lost. That second quarter, the offense and special teams deserve a lot of the blame for that second quarter, in my opinion. So, South Carolina, they end the road slate for this season with an 0-5 record if you throw in the neutral site game against North Carolina. Obviously, that is a step back. No matter what way you want to put it, I could definitely try to dress it up and say, well, South Carolina never got completely blown out in any of these games. Depends on what your objective definition of blowing out is or blowing out an opponent. But it doesn't matter. South Carolina, competitive or not in any of these games, they went 0-5 away from Williams-Brice. So that's never a record that you want to see, especially from a coach that is in his third season. I think that it's clear South Carolina, you know, in terms of the changes that they make, some of them are going to have to be logistical. And they're going to have to, they're going to have to relate to their road struggles, what they have done away from Williams Bryce so far this season. Now we got a few minutes left, so for any of you that are watching the show, um, I will answer any questions that y'all have to finish off today's episode because I really don't have a whole lot more to say about the game itself. I'll go a little bit more in depth on it on our Monday show that will be released tomorrow morning, but. Before we do get to those questions, I do want to let y'all know that today's show is also brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the number one daily fantasy sports app out there. It is super easy and simple to use. Literally, all you got to do go and select two to six athletes from any sport and then look at what their projected stat line is for their upcoming game. The way Prize Picks does it is they have their stat line and then you can say that they're going to go for more than that stat line or less than that stat line. It is literally that simple. So, For my pick today, with all the NFL action that's taking place, I'm going to pick Trevor Lawrence to throw for more than 232.5 passing yards against the Pittsburgh Steelers because the Steelers, even though they are 4-2 or 5-2 right now, that defense of theirs is just atrocious statistically. And Trevor Lawrence, you know, I know he's a former Tiger, so I know you all hate the fact to bring him up in the first place, but he's had a pretty good season so far this year. So if you agree with my pick, or maybe you're interested in checking out all the other selections that you could make, go to prizepicks.com slash college and use code LockedOnCollege for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, that's prizepicks.com slash college and promo code LockedOnCollege for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. All right, once again, thank y'all so much for tuning in to this reaction edition of the Lockdown Gamecocks podcast, where we cover your team every single day in just 30 minutes. I guess I will discuss sort of where this leaves South Carolina, which is the fact that, you know, the Gamecocks now, they got to win out. 
the rest of this season. They will have to win out in the month of November if they want to go to a ball game. That is the situation they've gotten themselves into because you blow a lead against the Florida Gators. You don't win either road game against Missouri or Texas A&M. You lose the week one matchup against North Carolina, which I got to say right now, you replay that game as of this very moment, especially if South Carolina was a bit more healthy up front. I would say South Carolina would make North Carolina sweat a lot more. Um, I don't think North Carolina is all that great. I think they've been showing that the last couple of games. But for the Gamecocks, you know, it's a lot of coulda, shoulda, wouldas with the way that this season has played out in 2023. And I know that some fans, you've been leaving comments on YouTube and saying that this is a team that's going to go 3-9 or 4-8. and eight. Some of you are even saying that you're worried about the Vanderbilt game. I'd say you need to chill out a little bit. Uh, South Carolina, in my opinion, they're going to beat Jacksonville State. I know that's a dangerous team. I know Rich Rod is their head coach. And I know that he's a creative offensive mind who could very well drop a good game plan. And they did basically get a week and a half off because they played, I believe, last Tuesday or Wednesday. Because they do all those Tuesday, Wednesday nighters in Conference USA to get, you know, more eyeballs on their football games. But I still think South Carolina will be okay in that matchup. Vanderbilt, if you're a South Carolina fan, I don't think you should worry about Vanderbilt. I mean, Vanderbilt has been awful this year. They've gotten blown out by the majority of their SEC competition. They've taken a step back over there. And Ken Seals has been their starting quarterback, I believe, for the past couple games. So I really don't think right now that you got to worry about the Commodores. Kentucky and Clemson are your two big ones now. And the great news is you get both of them at home. And the even better news is, look, both of those games are winnable. There's not a single game left on this schedule where you can sit there and look at it and say, South Carolina, they got no shot of winning that football game. There's not a single one like that that's left. South Carolina can absolutely beat Kentucky at home. Devin Leary looked pretty good on Saturday night against Tennessee. Their run game, weirdly enough, got shut down by the Volunteers. Ray Davis has been very good this year. That's going to have to be the Gamecocks' number one priority heading into that game is stopping Ray Davis of the Kentucky Wildcats. But that Kentucky defense also, they haven't exactly looked great this season. And I like Brad White, the Kentucky defensive coordinator. They usually are a very fundamentally sound unit uh, they don't take themselves out of position very often, and usually they do all the little things right. But this season, despite supposedly having that, along with even more talent on that side of the football, they just haven't been, you know, they haven't been, again, phenomenal. They haven't been like a top 20, top 25 unit to this point in the season. We'll see maybe that changes over the next couple of weeks, but right now, I mean, hey, that Kentucky game, I could see it kind of playing out like the Mississippi State or the Florida games going down to the wire. I think the other thing in that game you got to be careful about is, you know, we've seen what South Carolina's done this year when they have faced a team that had a good running back coming in, but also had some play action concepts involved. What happened? The staff almost overemphasized stopping the run to the point where they got blown up by play action. It happened against Mississippi State, happened against Florida. Don't do it a third time, okay? There's no excuse for it happening three times in one season against Kentucky. Don't do it. If you can avoid that happening, then you can definitely win that football game against the Wildcats. Clemson. If there's one positive that South Carolina fans have been able to take away in the past couple of weeks, uh, Clemson keeps losing. They're four and four now. There is now a realistic possibility that that Palmetto Bowl that could be for a bowl game for both teams. 
Clemson plays, let's see, they play Notre Dame at home this next weekend. Then they play, I believe, Georgia Tech the week after that. And then they play North Carolina home the week after that. And then they play South Carolina. They could easily lose to Notre Dame and North Carolina. Maybe they drop a game against Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech has upset a couple teams this year. Miami, which some would say they should not have won that game. And they probably shouldn't have. (laughs) Excuse me, but they did. And then they knocked off North Carolina last night. So that's not a game that they can sleep on. South Carolina, again, they, I think they're going to beat Jacksonville State and Vanderbilt. I think that they can beat Kentucky. They have all the rest of their games at home. So, South Carolina, it can easily be 5-6 and six versus 5-6 and six when South Carolina and Clemson face one another. Who would have predicted that before the season started? Very, very, very few people. And if you did, you need to go buy a lottery ticket. (laughs) I'm telling you that right now. Better go buy a lottery ticket if you did think that that was going to be the record for both of those teams heading into that matchup. But, yeah, I mean, that, that really does it for my overall thoughts from Saturday. You know, a lot of the same old, same old. Some promising signs. But, again, we saw a lot of trends and tendencies that this team has had all season from a negative standpoint that showed up once again. And it led to them losing one more time on the road before they got to the month of November. So champion of the Gamecocks currently sit at two and six on the season. And they have two conference games remaining, which means that I believe they are one and five in conference play. Certainly not where Gamecock fans want to see this football team in 2023. But again, by this point, I think we all know what this team is. And uh, now Shane Beamer and the Gamecocks, hey. You know, the only thing you can do at this point is just say, let's go on a run and let's just see what happens. So we're definitely going to find out what all will take place as the next couple weeks progress. But with all that bearing in mind, that does it for this reaction show from the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. Thank you all so much for tuning in as always. Uh, And be sure to continue to watch us for the rest of this week as we cover the upcoming matchup of the Battle of the Gamecocks between the South Carolina Gamecocks and the Jacksonville State Gamecocks and also I will continue to do some future Gamecock profiles this week, talking about some future recruits and enrollees that this team is going to get in a couple months, some guys that are going to help this football program in 2024 right from the jump. So be sure to check all of that out. But again, with that being said, thank you all for tuning in. Have a great rest of your Sunday, and I'll be sure to catch you all on the next show of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast.